Good day to you, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Film Focus, episode 159, the review for Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantum Mania. West and welcome to another episode of Film Focus. I'm your host, the Hypersonic 55, and I'm glad you decided to join me once again for some film-related discussion. And here we are with the newest review on the podcast of the latest big blockbuster coming from Marvel Studios in the form of Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantum Mania. Now, I will admit my hype for this film has fluctuated over the past couple years, but with the introduction of Kang being you know, the big main villain of the next couple phases of the MCU. And after his wonderful debut in the Loki TV series, thanks to Jonathan Majors, I was like, I want to know, are Marvel going to swing that bat and give me a home run? Or is it going to be something not quite to my liking? Because, you know, phase four had a bit of an up and down reception amongst fans and critics. But today we are going to answer that question. It is a few days later than its major release, but hey, I needed to, you know, sit on the movie and think about it. But ladies and gentlemen, I am not alone. I have a new guest on the podcast. He's a good homie of mine, and I've known him for a few years now. And I'm so glad that we get to have him on the podcast. Secret guest, can you reveal yourself? Hello, friend. (laughs) (laughs) Hi. Yes, I'm uh, Lucas here on uh this lovely podcast and uh yeah ready to ready to discuss ant-man i've uh, we've been friends for friends for a while now like you said and uh yeah i am it's just you know it's it's a beautiful thing but uh yeah my name is lucas and i work in the medical field but i also love creation and i'm working on a book a poetry book right now it's a very lovely project love poetry and um working on some music related projects as well i just i love creative stuff like this so i just wanted to come on and i'm so happy to have you here yeah me and lucas have talked about like the odd project here and there that he wanted to like jump in on the podcast but you know timing wise has always been very questionable (laughs) but yeah when he said that he wanted to come onto the podcast and talk about ant-man i was like yeah sure man Plus, it's always fun to have like a back and forth discussion about like Marvel films, especially when they're pretty fresh to their release. So, yeah, man, just as we tend to do on the podcast, we'll talk about the story, characters and presentation, then the overall conclusion. So without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, let's jump in. So the plot for this film can basically be summed up as the following. Ant-Man, a.k.a. Scott Lang, has become a bit of a celebrity. He's living the good life. Being very well respected amongst the public, he's signing books, being recognized in the street. Life is calm and peaceful and, you know, things couldn't be better. However, with his daughter being a little bit more active in terms of wanting to do right by the people, she works on a new device in order to try and see what's going on with the quantum realm. Unfortunately, it sets off a signal that connects to the quantum realm that gets her along with her dad, Janet, and Hank, 
all sucked into the quantum realm. And within that area, they have to navigate this unexplored territory while also discovering certain things that went on with Janet while she was trapped down there and the new big bad in the form of Kang. And that is a way for me to summarize the plot without going into the area spoilers. So, yeah, I would say overall, I enjoyed this plot. There were certain things here and there that didn't quite work for me, but I would say for the most part, this is a good start to phase five. Lucas, what did you think? Yeah, yeah, I I really thought um, it's kind of like you just said right now. I felt like it was a good film to begin phase five, um, a really awesome starting point. And so I was really into the plot. I, I felt like that there was certain elements about it, but uh, for the most part, I was just really excited to get to explore Kang a lot more while, you know, having the quirkiness and the just incredible nature that uh, Paul Rudd provides an Ant-Man, you know? And so I was just like, that's going to be a, a very interesting combo to have those two personalities like intertwine. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I, I was, I was into it. Yeah, man. Like um, one of the interesting things about the Ant-Man films is that for the most part, they've been comedies sort of similar to the Guardians of the Galaxy movies. And I feel like they found a fun way to keep the comedic elements in there while also finding a way to keep the heist elements in there. Because, you know, the first film was definitely more of a heist movie. And there were still, you know, heist elements in the second movie. And while that sort of heist aspect was sort of you know, pushed to the side a little bit more. It was more about exploring this grand new world and, you know, navigating these sort of larger implications that would, you know, obviously take place in the MCU further down the road. There were still a few elements here and there that made you remember the origins of where the Ant-Man films came from. Absolutely. Yes. I felt that way too. Yeah. And, um, I did enjoy the fact that from the first Ant-Man film up until now, the uh, theme of family is still very strong. Obviously, with uh, Scott and the relationship with his daughter being, you know, one of the core elements of the first film, which transitions to the second one. And then obviously in Avengers Endgame, you know, the fact that he hadn't seen his daughter for how many years because he was stuck in the uh, quantum yeah, realm. Yeah. That, that, was a very, uh, that was a very key point in Endgame as well, you know, so... Um, we we were kind of reminded that, you know, not not far off ago in End of Game and, and sort of have a continuation of all of that in this film was was very, very nice, you know. Yeah, for sure. And um, I also enjoyed the fact that we've heard about the Quantum Realm for a while. We saw bits and bobs of it in the first Ant-Man film. Got to see a little bit more with uh, Janet being stuck in there in the second movie, but you know, we've only heard about it more so than seen it. So the fact that we got to actually glimpse inside of the quantum realm, learn that there was societies and different groups of people, and to know that there's like a rules and consequences of how that world works. And honestly, I didn't think about like, you know, is it that this sort of micro universe had so many different things going on because it seemed like more of a desolate location, but then you get to see, you know, so many different things in there. And it really helps sort of reinforce why Janet was so afraid of this place, learning about, you know, her history there, some of the individuals she came across and how 
she has uh you know as it inadvertently caused some chaos for like the other protagonists in the movie as well absolutely yes um i thought that they uh really showcased that fear well um going into the movie it was you know you could just tell that that place really scared her and it was um i don't know i just i just felt like that whole beginning was just uh very well done and um I don't know. I was just, I was happy that you could like also based off the fear, I felt like that that added to like the nature of um, just what the quantum realm was all about and what it showcased yeah. overall in the film. No, for sure. Yeah. And um, as I said before, the humor was, um, has always been a part of these movies. And I thought it was mostly pretty good. Uh, you have a lot of cool uh, verbal and like visual gags here and there that, mostly work for me but as with a lot of like uh, films that have comedy in it i don't know lucas if you know this about me but i am very fickle when it comes to uh humor in my movies so while there are certain <laughs> things that could you know work for a lot of other people sometimes i'm just gonna be a little bit more straight-faced and you know it's probably just again more so to do with me and my type of humor than like how it you know applies to other people but I found myself on a couple of occasions it being, you know, the humor in this film was 50-50 for me. Uh, most of the stuff that happened with Scott Lang, great. Um, there were some pretty good lines that happened with uh, Hank Pym and was it Janet as well when you when they have a few of their discussions. And some of their relate their family, like, you know, relationship things along with their daughter. There was just some funny exchanges in there that I did not expect to hear. Absolutely. Yes, I, I thought that all of those uh, those humor points that you just named were like definitely on point for sure yeah and um i was also surprised that the film was a little darker than i expected because you know marvel they have been known to be a little bit more comedic focused than being a little bit more serious say for like some of the more world ending events but there were definitely moments in this film where i was just like oh crumbs they're they're getting a little heavier than i expected and i'm like if if there's kids watching this movie mate you might want to turn away this is getting a little funky <laughs> yeah absolutely yeah it's but it's you know it's very interesting too because it's like you said the ant-man films were really uh, a lot of comedy within those films and and i feel like at the in this film the, the humor and the dark intertwine very much and it's like you just, I don't know, I, I feel like a dark movie that's an Ant-Man movie is is definitely a, a step in the right direction for, like, uh, you know, ascending the character. Yeah, yeah. And um, like you said, it's just that progression from point A to point B to C afterwards, right. um, which is always fun just to see how characters evolve and how their situations evolve and how they have to try and navigate these new situations. I will yeah. say, though, there are certain things that kind of irked me. And it is fundamentally at a script level. Uh, there are certain situations and conversations that were happening between characters that I think could have been corrected in another like uh, another version of this script if they like refined it a little bit more. Because there were certain characters who ended up doing things that, honestly, in my mind, I don't think they would have done, or that they could have done differently, or if certain people just chose to use their mouths and converse we could have avoided certain situations but i don't know again i can't go into uh, spoilers but there were certain moments in this throughout the film where i found myself just scratching my head as to 
this is truly the situation that you're choosing to let play out right now. You're not going to do something a little different or something that requires a little bit more logic. I don't know. Like, right, right. <laughs> so, yeah, it's it's one of those sort of things. Again, if we went to spoilers, I could tell you specifically what these things are, but that's just how my mind works. I don't know if there was anything in the uh, in the plot that didn't work for you, especially. Um, if you do have any nitpicks, please, uh, please share. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I, you know, I think it's just kind of like you you touched on earlier. I think that there was just some humorous moments that I felt like were um, just kind of in the wrong placement. Yeah, it, it just it seemed like that there'd be like a really serious moment that was going on in the film. And then all of a sudden you would have this like uh, minute scene or two minute scene of uh, like comedy, you know, and it just kind of i felt like it interrupted the the flow of the really serious like moment and i i'd say that was my biggest complaint um all in all i i very much enjoyed the film um but i would say that that was probably my biggest complaint and and i i see what you mean with the character decisions as well yes i mean definitely definitely the case um uh but but overall i i thought it was a really fun film yeah yeah and that's the thing like um my my feelings on the film are mostly positive but i do have like uh mixed feelings on certain things especially when it came to the humorous placement and i wouldn't call it tonal whiplash because i think marvel have done a lot worse in the past when it comes to their balance of uh being serious and humorous but yeah. there were a few moments especially towards the end where things are really starting to pick up I was like okay we could allow this to be a little bit more serious for a bit but then it's just like nope no nope, humor i'm like Oh, okay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It was, you know, it was, it was a, it was a certain character for me that I just felt was too much, and I'm, I'm sure you, uh, you may know which one I'm talking about. But... I'm pretty sure I know because uh, there have been, you know, reverberations around the internet about said person, and it's just like, honestly, you could have taken them out, and honestly, I think the film would have been better for it, to be honest. <laughs> I, I felt the same way. Yeah, I, you know, I just, I don't know. I just felt like that. Um, uh, okay, so I guess kind of like a comparative of, of uh, Thor, uh, Thor Love and Thunder yeah. um, with, uh, with the goats. I felt like it was kind, yeah. of, kind of like that situation. It was too much. The first time it was great. And then I was like, okay, I'm, I'm done with this, you know? Mate, the, the goat comparison is really good, actually, because, um, yeah, like you, when I was watching Love and Thunder the first time, I was like, oh, yeah, these goats are weird and they're kind of fun. And I think after the third time, I'm like, OK. And then they just had a few <laughs> more moments afterwards. Like there was that moment where they went to uh, was it the I think it was like the Shadow Realm or something. And they went towards that planet and they crashed mm -hmm. into it. And it was like, you know, it looked a lot smaller than you actually expected it to be. And it was silent for a few seconds, and then the goats went off again. I'm like, oh, for frick's sake, man, stop right. it! <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. And and I and I really got those. Uh, I, I really got that same energy from from this uh, this situation in this film. Again, it's like nothing that's gonna like you know impede my you know overall love of the film to a high degree, but it's just one of those noticeable elements that when it's there, you can't help but think about it a little bit. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, this is uh, this is Kang's movie debut. You know, you can't you can't have that much goofiness. You know what I mean? 
Yeah, yeah. But speaking of the characters, let's move on to the uh, character slash cast, because I think everybody in the film did a pretty good job. And I thought the performances for the most part across the board were great. So let's start with Paul Rudd as Scott Lang, a.k.a. Ant-Man, who I think has just been reliably great since he made his debut back in 2015. There's not really much about Paul Rudd I don't like in most movies. And I thought he, he was great. He was delightful. He had that really charming, cool energy where you're just like, I just want to be friends with you. Let's hang out. And even though, you know, he takes a little bit more of a relaxed situation before Ish hits the fan, when he needs to be heroic and he needs to think on his feet, you can tell he is, he has the heart of a hero. And there's a reason why he's on like a team like the Avengers, because he brings something to the table that, you know, other people can't. Or at least he brings his own unique thing where he's not a superpowered individual, but you know he uses his mind and the use of his uh, pin particles to you know shrink and grow and do pretty cool stuff. And he he even had a little bit more serious moments than I was expecting as well. So yeah, just just good times, man. Yeah, yeah, I thought the same thing. Um, I felt like that it was just you know you really got to see like Ant Man on top of the world in this film. And I, and I love that. I was like, so, you know, so deserving. I don't know. And just seeing him uh, being able to spend time with family and just after being, you know, gone for so long. And I just think it's, it's, uh, you got to see a beautiful chapter in, in uh, Scott's life. Yeah, no, for sure. And um, especially since Ant-Man was one of those characters that not many people knew and, the, even the films like had jabs at like people not being aware of who Ant-Man was. So the fact that people are aware of who he is and he has this sort of new celebrity status, it was really like gratifying for me as a fan of his for a while. I'm like, oh, you you get your flowers, man. Yeah, man, people recognize you. Absolutely, yes. I felt the same way. I was I was very pumped about this uh, post Avengers Endgame Ant-Man. Really great stuff. Yeah, yeah, and um, I also quite liked the uh, Evangeline Lilly, who played uh, Hope uh, as the Wasp. She's definitely oh, yes. uh, started to grow in her role since the first film because, yeah, she was there and she had a good role to play in the first Ant-Man film, but the second one was the one where they, you know, gave her a suit, she was into the action and stuff, and obviously she had a pretty fun moment in the Avengers Endgame. But in this film, it was pretty interesting to see how she not only had her moments of action and helped Scott out, but also because of the relationship she has to her mother. And obviously her mom has like her sort of deep rooted issues because of her time stuck in the quantum realm to see all of them get thrown in there and, you know, have these conversations with her parents that she wasn't able to have, you know, for how many years. It was pretty cool. And like Lily, she's great. She's always good to watch in most films. And I enjoyed her character. Yeah. Yeah. I felt the same way. I, I felt like um, there was, you know, it's like you said, there was things at stake going on for um, the Wasp on a personal level. And so I felt like there were so many moments where uh, uh, she shined in this film, you know, like saving a lot of, like uh, a lot of people, you know, and just, um, kind of uh just going for it just always just always seemed to be on it with the action and um and i thought that was really cool yeah no for sure um but honestly i want to move on to my favorite character in the movie 
It's my boy Kang, played by Jonathan Majors. Honestly, I had all the hope in the world for this guy because when his when the other variant of the character showed up at the end of Loki season one, I was mm-hmm. like, I was like, okay, if they hit the ball out of the park with the actual version of Kang, or at least one of the variants, I'd be like, yo, we're we're in for a good time. And I didn't doubt Jonathan Majors at all because he gave a really fun and unique performance in Loki. And I've seen him in Lovecraft Country as well, at least a couple episodes of that. And he always has this very like uh, magnetic presence that makes you pay attention to him whenever he's on screen. And I thought he did such a fab job in this role. You know, villains in the MCU, when they're great, you pay attention to them. They have a screen presence about them. And Kang, to me, had this very quiet intensity where whenever he was in the room, you shut up and pay attention because you're not quite sure what he's going to do. He's very calm and sophisticated, almost in like, (laughs) I don't know, maybe a seductive kind of way. I feel like he could charm (laughs) you, but then if you crossed him in the wrong way, he'd like basically mess you up. You'd be done right there and then. And I Absolutely. think that's a yeah. uh, testament to, like, um, Jonathan Majors. He just has, like, a really cool swagger about him, but also he's just, like, proper intense and crazy. So there was moments where, you know, oh, this guy's pretty cool. He's a bad guy, but he's pretty cool. But then he turns on the anger. I'm like, oh, no, <laughs> I'm afraid. Right, right. <laughs> like, oh, my goodness. Yeah, yeah, no, I felt the same way. Um I thought that Kang was wonderful in this film. And, um, you know, it's one of those things where I feel like as time progresses, it makes uh, things a little bit more clear. Because I remember at the time when when Loki uh, was on and and I had finished it and I saw Kang's performance, you know, at the end of there, that that show, I remember I was like, man, I want more of this character. But they they showcased him just enough to make you want more. And I feel like that now in the present day, that, that, that was such a smart tactic on their part because, you know, that, that episode really did uh, make me want more of Kang so much. And then to go from that to the big screen and just like see him in this film um, was oh, just, just really well done. I, I felt like it hyped me up for a couple of years now because of that. No, absolutely. Um, his performance was absolutely fab. And by the time it was over, I'm like, yo, let's get it going. Let's see more. I, I need more. Inject it into my veins, please. He he was a standout yeah. for me, for sure. And yeah, like, uh, there's only a few other people I need to mention right now. Um, you have uh, Catherine Newton, who plays the new version of Cassie Lang. I'm still going to be a little salty about the fact that Catherine Newton replaced the previous actress, Emma Furman, who played her in Endgame, because I quite liked her in that film. And I think they just replaced her because they needed a a star as opposed to like, you know, is it more of an unknown? Um, But that made me sad because I'm never a fan of that kind of uh, Hollywood practice. I'm just like, yo, let some of these people grow into the roles, man. Just not giving them to like a name-based people. Um, Absolutely. But I thought Newton did a good job for the most part. I wasn't entirely keen on the uh, on her characterization. 
I understand that, you know, she's a teenager, so she's wanting to be rebellious. She wants to sort of follow in her father's footsteps and wants to do hero-based stuff. But the way she goes about it is incorrect. But again, over the course of the movie, she learns, she grows and does some interesting things here and there. And uh, yeah, just overall, you know, a good job. Again, not my favorite character, but I thought she she was uh, pretty solid. Yeah, yeah, I thought the uh, I thought the cast as a whole did really really well together. Um, but I, I see I see the things that you're definitely like talking about. It's uh, yeah, yeah. I I felt like it wasn't um, horrible or anything like that, but there was just certain elements, um, maybe decision points, like you said, of the of the characters. But uh, I uh, all in all, I thought that the cast really um, did a good job. Like as a, you know, just as a team making this film. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, there's just two other people I want to mention. Um, Michelle Pfeiffer and uh, Michael Douglas as uh, Janet Van Dyne and Hank Pym. I've yeah. liked these characters uh, in their previous films, especially Michael Douglas as Hank Pym. He had a really fun, gruff, and, you know, was a supportive role to play since the first film. And Considering the nature of how big this film was, I was wondering if these characters would, you know, sort of be forced into the background. But I was enjoying the fact that this plot gave reasons for Hank and Janet to be there. Not only as this film obviously forces Janet to confront her time when she was stuck in the quantum realm for like how many decades, but you also have moments where Hank has moments to interact with other members of like the uh, core team and you get to see that at the focus of the film, again, it's family and how you uh, navigate these situations where you have uh, problems from your past coming to the present and how you sort of keep everything together and keep moving forward as a unit, you know? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And I, with you mentioning Hank and Janet, uh, I, I just felt like that there was points where those characters got in the forefront in some moments and you like you said you got to see the family element of everything and just um i felt like you really got to see uh more of both of those characters personalities in this film and that's um that's really cool for a character development yeah man like literally every person had their moment to shine in you know right. whether yeah just like you know whether it was in a you know conversations or some of the more like crazy action set pieces you know it was, a, it was a, a lot of fun surprises here and there yeah absolutely um and now let's move on to the presentation which um was pretty darn cool for the most part um we're going to start with the visuals i think the ant-man films has always had pretty solid visual effects you get to um, experience what it's like for Ant-Man shrinking in the first film, which was like very well done with the sort of distorted space where everything really did seem so big when Ant-Man was running around, say in like uh, the bath or when he had that like battle with uh, Yellow Jacket around that toys, uh, train toy set. And then in yeah. the uh, second movie, you get to see, obviously, Ant-Man do more of his giant man thing, along with uh, Wasp shrinking and beating people up during that bank heist. And yeah, obviously in Civil War and Endgame, you get to see more of uh, Ant-Man being giant man doing all this stuff. And in this film, we get to see a lot of very interesting uh, stuff 
with not only how the action is taking place, but within the quantum realm itself, there's a lot of really funky, cool, and weird variety of imagery when it comes to characters, costumes. The quantum realm itself, not only just having a weird kaleidoscope, funky array of colors, but there's different locations within the quantum realm where, you know, certain places look a little bit more barren, certain places that are a little bit more technologically advanced. There's different sort of societies in there with different costumes and stuff like that. And I enjoyed just seeing how the quantum realm was sort of visualized because there's a lot of sort of human slash, you know, was it normal things in there, but it's sort of jazzed up in a weird alien kind of way. And um, I did enjoy some of the action stuff towards the end where, you know, there is chaos going on left, right and center and it's looking pretty cool, though. I will say, as with some of these Marvel films, sometimes the CGI can be a bit much where I'm watching it, but I'm not really taking it in. It's just sort of like a, a CGI assault on my eyes. And I'm like, this is a. I'm supposed to be enjoying this, but I'm mostly just like waiting for something less crazy to happen just so we can get back to, you know, was it characters and whatnot. Um, and some of the stuff in the quantum realm for as weird as it was, I thought they could go a little weirder because there was so, well, not so many, but there was a few more humanoid looking things in there where I'm like, could you not look a little bit more alien? And um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah, sorry, uh, you go ahead. Um, no, no, you're okay. Um, I, I agree. I felt like that the visuals in this film were uh, really, really great. Um, I, I, you know, I will say, and, and I don't know, like, if you felt this same way, but I, I felt like there was certain points uh, that um, I felt a little like Star Wars world-esque to me. Like, oh, yeah. Did you did you feel that at all? No, yeah, because um, there were certain moments where, you know, you get these establishing shots of uh, some of these locations, and when you get mm -hmm. to, um, with the quantum realm, it's fairly vast in terms of how you get from point A to point B. Not many of these places are very close together, but when you see right. some of these, like, buildings or, like, maybe some of the creature designs or how some of these, like, uh, vehicles look and move around, I was trying to figure out for a little bit like what this felt familiar to me from but i yeah. honestly couldn't clock it but then as you mentioned like you know as a star wars i'm like ah there we go yeah because especially there was some sort of technology related things in there where i'm like yeah this definitely feels like some uh odd crossover i'm getting with a uh, you know the other disney uh brand that they're using at the moment <laughs> yeah yeah no it definitely did seem like it and and like you know when the when the uh people were like like with the different language and all that, I just, I felt like um, when they were speaking, it was like, uh, no, 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 uh, lava, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh man, that's actually know? a good point, yeah. Yeah, yeah, so uh, it was just, I, I don't know, I just felt like the, the visuals were very well done and, and um, in, in both the action scenes and just the, the um, scenes in between. And, you know, like in the quantum realm, uh, but then I also felt like that there was some really beautiful shots when you're just watching Scott walking along in, in life. And I yeah. felt like that it was very bright and 
and just uh, it really added a glow to uh, Ant Man's character, you know, in those in those scenes. No, for sure. Yeah, there was just um, again, I really appreciate the variety of like the quantum realm because you know when we saw him shrinking into the quantum realm before, and we got glimpses of it in the second film as well. You obviously saw that there was a lot of weird and vibrant and different looking imagery down there but to actually see what it's like on the ground and then you know to look up in the sky from certain areas of the quantum realm not one place is exactly the same as the other there is like you know a variety in the sky like there was one part it's a necessary a spoiler but one of them sort of reminded me of lava in the sky and i'm like man there's some crazy imagery like who, who oh, came yeah. up with that that looked pretty cool um yes yes Really, yeah. like, like really funky visuals, really funky visuals. It was great. And um, this is sort of going into the plot again, but this is also sort of coalescing with the uh, with the uh, visuals as well. Towards the latter half of the movie, there is some really, really comic booky stuff happening where it's just like this is absurd and really weird and dumb, but at the same time. I feel like this is Marvel really embracing the uh, the nature of its source material because, you know, if you think back to phase one and two, especially, they were finding ways to, you know, was it simplify or like change things up that it would be, you know, more, it would be easier for like casual audiences to accept in like, you know, a real world-ish kind of thing. But now they're really embracing some of these like things where I'm like, I feel like I've either read this in a comic book or this feels like it's literally just straight out of a comic book now. And I'm glad that we're at that point now where we kind of, you know, have these more absurd things and it doesn't feel so weird anymore, if that makes sense. Absolutely. No, I, I agree. I was, um, I, I felt those comic book uh, feelings and it just, it was, uh, yeah, the, the quirkiness. I just feel like you can kind of add that quirkiness and, and uh, that uh, just all the elements that make for a good comic book story. And it's just, you're so invested seeing it uh, visualized in film. Yeah, I know for sure. And in the last thing in the presentation I want to mention is the, uh, the music. The film score by Christoph Beck, I thought was pretty darn good. Uh, Christoph Beck, he's been a, someone I like to follow since he showed up on the first Ant-Man film. And he's worked on not only the second one and this current film, but he also did the music for WandaVision and the Hawkeye TV shows. And I feel like he has a very nice uh, style when it comes to creating music that's exciting, sassy, adventurous, has the feels when it's necessary. And the Ant-Man theme is actually one of my favorites in the MCU. And I was glad to see that he was able to incorporate the themes that he worked with in the previous films, but brought them into this one. And um, in the credits, there's like a version of the theme in there that's just so much more expansive and energetic than it was before. It's like he's taken the previous stuff, but he's just added an extra oomph to it. And I was like, oh man, this guy is still doing it. He's still doing it well. So I don't know if you noticed the music, but I, I quite enjoyed it. Oh, it's, uh, you know, music in films is so important to me. I feel like that you need, um, if you have good music in a film, it's it's automatically going to uh, make it a couple notches higher in my book. Um, yeah. Yes, I, I, I thought it was wonderful. Um, I, I think that uh, usually the 
MCU movies uh, in the past that I've seen, they they usually knock it out of the park with the with all of that. Um, but I definitely noticed that there was a lot of points where the music and the sounds and and just everything was uh, perfect timing and and just the right timing for each scene that it was going with. And um, yeah, yeah, just I don't know, it, it was really well done. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. And uh, I guess now it just comes to the uh, conclusion. Overall, I did enjoy Ant-Man and the Wasp Mania. It was a good first step in the right direction for Phase 5. And while I will admit my hype levels for the future of the MCU has definitely weighed in recent times just because, I don't know, I think it's just because um, I wouldn't call it superhero fatigue as much because I'm still hyped to see whatever comes out as long as it looks interesting. But I will say that my hype levels now for Marvel content just feels a little diminished just because besides Spider-Man, Shang-Chi and probably Wakanda Forever, in terms of the films at least, there hasn't been anything that sort of just like, you know, lit a fire under my bum in like, you know, is it a really cool way? So I'm just waiting for that next big thing that's just going to you know, blow me away. But that being said, I thought the cast was great. Some of the visuals were pretty cool. There was some interesting plot stuff and like some interesting things for the future on the horizon, especially with that first mid credit scene. And uh, again, Jonathan Majors, he, his version of Kang was great. I can't wait to see what's going on with that guy. So, uh, yeah, uh, Lucas, uh, what's your final thoughts? Yeah, I um, I really enjoyed the film. Um, I think that the only thing that I'll say was a little bit off-putting for me and, and put it a little bit lower for me was the times where humor came in when not necessary or uh, when there was very serious, you know, scenes. But for the most part, I thought that this movie entered into this zone where now I feel like that there is going to all of these different pieces that uh, made uh, phase four with all of these movies and just seeing certain stories um, going forward, you know, like Doctor Strange and and um, like uh, Black Panther and Spider-Man, you see them progressing in their stories. I feel like we're going to get to this place and I feel like that this is the starting point of it. We're We're going to get to this place where all of those come together and then go forward. And so I felt like that this film did a really good job at putting us there because now Kang being such a great character and doing so well in that role, uh, you know, it's like we've been saying, we, we're just so excited for more Kang. And I felt like that um, now we're in the direction of leading to um whatever Kang is going to do next and I'm very excited to see what he does next but um yeah I think that this was a good stepping stone for all of that and I very much enjoyed this film all right well now it's down to you ladies and gentlemen tell us what you thought about the film in the comment section below did you like it did you dislike it are you somewhere in the middle are you excited for the future of the MCU or or are you like, you know, just sort of tired of it? You know, you can be honest with me, it's fine. Um, but yeah, if you don't holler at me in the comment section below, well, find me on Twitter where I'm at hypersun 55 or at filmfocus55. Check out the podcast on SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify, and other places where podcasts can be found. 
And again, I would like to thank my good homie, Lucas, for joining me on this podcast. It's been a while since I had a guest and just having this really fun, just chill discussion was uh, delightful. So, Lucas, thank you for showing up. Oh, absolutely, Kurt. Absolutely. Uh, it was a pleasure. Um, love talking films. Uh, so I am down anytime for something like this. That it was, uh, it was a lot of fun and I'm glad we could get into it. Yeah, for sure. And um, I guess until the next time, ladies and gentlemen, this is the Hypersonic 55 signing out. Peace. Peace.